What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee isn't just delicious, smooth coffee. It also packs a CBD-infused punch, and CBD helps relieve aches, pains, headaches, anything that's going on with your body. It helps ease, including the coffee jitters, so a great one-two punch. You get the caffeine that you need while also relaxing any coffee jitters that come with that. And also, we've got another one-two punch punch for you with Strava Craft Coffee. If you use the magical code DNVR20 on your first order, you'll save 20% off your first order of Strava Craft Coffee. And then if you subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee, you'll receive 20% off every single order after that. And you can get it shipped straight to your door every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks at that 20% off price. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee. Use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your first purchase and then subscribe to save 20% every single purchase after. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday, new general manager in town, a new era for us to talk about. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. But before we hop into the show, got to tell you about MSU Denver Online. Guys, now is the time to apply and register for classes because the spring semester starts next week and you still have time to get in. Spring semester starts January 19th and there's still time for you. So make sure to check out MSU Denver to see all they have to offer. So many hybrid programs, tons of online classes that you can do. And the great thing about MSU Denver is they build the schedule around your life. So you don't have to stop your life in order to take classes. You can do both. And there's no better way to combat economic uncertainty like we all face right now than getting a degree. So make sure to check out MSU Denver online to get started for classes in just a few days. My boy, Mace, what's going on? How is the George Payton era treating you so far? Uh, it's fine. The sun is out in Denver, Colorado. It's a little bit windy. Maybe it is the winds of change blowing through Broncos headquarters in Broncos country because now you're going to have a fresh set of eyes on the talent on the roster in the form of George Payton and whoever he ultimately decides to make his right hand in the organization, likely under the title of director of player personnel. The winds of change are blowing. Things may be changing on the Broncos roster. To what degree? We'll see. We certainly will see. And Mace, let's talk about what things could be changing and how hard that wind gust will be. Because I'll tell you what, in Denver last night, the George Payton era was welcomed with a huge gust of wind. From what I understand, Mace, it rearranged your patio furniture. Yeah, I looked outside on the patio when I let my puppies out overnight and uh, the sofa was had been moved all the way across the patio. It, it's, it was insane. I mean, you could hear it just whip, 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 whip. Oh boy. It's, it's, it's something, some, something is, something is coming through the Denver area and we're still under a high wind warning today, although it wasn't, it's not as bad as it was last night. So uh, whether it's literal or metaphorical, like I said, the winds of change are here. <laughs> exactly. And Mace, how strong will those winds of change be with George Payton and the Broncos organization? Do you, do you expect him to come in and just start making huge changes? Do you expect him to take a step back and watch it for a month or two till the end of the draft to give it give everyone one full season? What do you expect? And what does his priority list look like with those changes? 
Well, let's face it, because of expiring contracts, he's got to make decisions pretty quickly in some cases. So there, you know, there are going to be changes to what degree uh, we'll, we'll find out. And for example, we know there will be a change in the quarterback room. We just don't know what it's going to look like just yet. And that's why looking back at what happened with the Vikings over the course of George Payton's time there, it, it's so fascinating because, you know, as, as you and I wrote about, we took kind of different paths on the, on the quarterback situation in Minnesota over the years. I, I went into detail kind of looking at why they made each move and what it could mean for the, for the Broncos. But George Payton, when he was there, in Minnesota tried everything. So that's why it kind of makes it, it makes it, Somewhat hard to read what he might do there, but in the short term, what is he going to do with Justin Simmons? What is he going to do with Shelby Harris? Uh, what contracts are is he going to keep? What does this mean for Von Miller? I mean, we can kind of go in any number of ways. So he doesn't really have a a huge grace period here. I think he'll have a honeymoon period from the fans, but uh, he's got to settle in and and, uh, and make some choices now. And uh, because those choices have long term implications for the salary cap, it may well lead to some changes. But that being said, Zach, I think some of these changes that come might have been made anyway. Mm, yes, I, th- I think you're right, May. So where where does he start? Because you did mention uh, a couple of players that decisions have to be made before free agency starts. So he gets two months to decide on Justin Simmons, on Von Miller, on Shelby Harris. Now, of course, he could let Justin Simmons and Shelby Harris hit the open market and then re-sign him again. Heck, it worked for the Broncos last year with Shelby Harris, but I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't count your cards thinking that it's going to happen again this year with Shelby. I think he's going to get paid more than $3.5 million and be, I don't think he's going to be available two weeks after free agency starts. And of course, Justin, you can let him hit the open market. Uh, but then his price is very likely only going to go up. So you can re-sign both of those guys before free agency starts. You could also place the franchise tag on one of those guys if you wished. Of course, Justin, it would be even more expensive because it would be his second year on the franchise tag. And Mace, with Von Miller, you got to decide pretty much before free agency starts whether you want to bring him back on that team-high $22 million cap hit if you want to try to restructure it, or if you want to let him walk and hit free agency and eat $4 million in dead cap. So is that where he starts? Does he start with those three people? I think you have to just because of what's involved. And I would even uh, throw in AJ Boye and Jarrell Casey, although I don't know that the deliberations on them are going to be as long. I thought Jarrell Casey brought a lot of character to the locker room, but I also Uh, thought the Broncos defensive line wasn't appreciably hurt by not having him. So that's an easy call. AJ Boye is trickier. Of course, he's got the suspension, but he did play reasonably well when he was in there. And if you let go of AJ Boye, you're basically locking yourself into having to pick a cornerback. So I'd kind of lump all of those in together and you're sort of, lose you might end up losing one to pay another i mean it's possible that you have to lose von miller to pay justin simmons if that's what you decide and that's that's why all these things are are intertwined and and perhaps kind of the starting point is saying all right if i make move x move y move z i save x y and z amount so von miller 18 million, Jarrell Casey, 11.874 million, AJ Boye, 13.375 million. And so if, it, if you were to cut those guys right there, you'd have $43 million freed up. Yeah. So you say, great. Now, the problem is I've created holes here. How do I fill them in? Now, with Jarrell Casey, I think filling the hole is easy. You sign Shelby Harris, and then you bring back the rest of the of the defensive line. Maybe even bring back Demarcus Walker as well, and then you go from there. But then, uh, what happens with Boye and Miller? How are you replacing that? And is it feasible to have a restructure? I mean, I think it's just kind of the the, the it's simple math, but that's 
That's that's what George Payton is going to have to come in and consider here. And I'm sure uh, I, the, another question is, does he have his own cap person or is he going to lean on Rick Hurtado, who has had that role? Because one thing that we've learned is that George Payton is going to make the call on everybody in the personnel department. So is, uh, you know, does he have the same cast of characters? Are there some who return, some some who don't? And these and the changes he makes actually may go even until after the draft because he could make make some scouting changes after the draft as well. So that's going to be something to watch in general. Tons of stuff there that yeah. you mentioned, Mace, which we'll certainly dive into. Uh, and the, w- when when we talk about this in the roster construction and the big decisions that he has to make on some key players, Mace, it just makes it very, very clear that John Elway made this decision to step away and to hire a new general manager at the right time. If he would have waited until after the draft, which some general managers could do, and I understand that thought process, but if he would have done that, then you could have been potentially tying down down Justin Simmons, a guy, a new general manager didn't necessarily want to pay $15 million for five years, or John Elway could have let Justin Simmons walk. And the new GM comes in a couple months later and says, what were you guys doing? I wanted Justin Simmons here for the, for the rest of his career. So big decision on him, big decision on Drew Casey, big decision on AJ Boya. I mean, these are all pieces Mace where it, some of these guys or potentially all of these guys, you could be talking about contract extensions right now in order to lower the cap numbers and stuff. And so these are big decisions, especially with Von Miller as well. These are big decisions that you don't want a GM who's on his way out to make. You want a GM Mm. that's on his way in to make, because when you look at this Broncos roster, it's young and Mace, tell me if I'm wrong, but there's only one guy tied up in a huge contract with, with George Payton taking over and that's Garrett Bowles. And so George Payton, he's stuck with Garrett Bowles and you hope that he's stuck with him in a good way because Garrett continues to play the way he did. But it's not like this new GM is going to be handcuffed by just so many huge contracts that he doesn't like for, for many years. There's really only one guy that he's tied to. So that gives him a ton of control on what he wants to do with this team, not just this year, but in years to come. He's stuck with another guy on the offensive line for one year. Right. And that's Jawan James. Right. Yeah. And I guess you could throw Graham Glasgow in there as well, where he's got another big year on his contract. But I mean, for the for the most part, you're not talking about a guy that's taking over a team where he doesn't have any flexibility on what he can do for three or four years, because on his way out, John Elway signed, you know, 10 guys to big (laughs) contracts. Exactly. I mean, he, he can come in and put his own stamp on it. And the other thing is that, you can put your own stamp on it, but the team isn't in salary cap hell right now. And mm-hmm. I, I think back to, for example, when Dave Gettleman took over in Carolina, they actually brought him in before the 2013 season in the 2013 offseason, I should say. And the year before they'd fired Marty Herney. And one of the things that Herney had done in 2011 right after the lockout was went on a spending spree to extend contracts for a bunch of the veterans on that team and next thing you know when they hire a new gm that gm is looking around and saying wow this team is in is in deep salary cap trouble so for a couple of years their the panthers free agent shopping list was uh, basically going to the dollar store i believe is how gettleman put it <laughs> because of what he'd been left Uh, John Elway actually left a decent situation cap wise and one where even with a $175 million cap, if it drops that far, the Broncos are in better situation, better situation than a lot of teams right now. They're sitting on $173.96 million in total liabilities. And just under that in terms of their top 51, which is what matters in the off season. But you, you, I mean, you, there are some moves that can be made to create more space here. And there are some teams like Philadelphia, for example, isn't going to be able to make enough moves to create space. So whoever comes in as the coach in Philadelphia can't come in there with a wish list. No, no, no. They don't have the cap space to do it. It's basically this team minus player X, player Y, player Z, because we've got to get in cap compliance. So yeah. This it's it's actually not a bad situation for the the GM uh, to enter into. I mean, really, the big question is is quarterback and what the GM decides to do. I will say this: 
there is one solution i do not want to see at quarterback even though i know there may be one media person in this market alfred williams who might be okay with that (laughs) and that is i don't want to see the quarterback hedge be sean mannion who is a backup with minnesota and is available in free agency alfred williams a couple of years ago when he was still over at the fan was pitching sean mannion and i'm like no, 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 no. <laughs> don't, don't get tempted here. Mace, that, that wouldn't be a hedge. That would be a Jeff Driscoll 2.0. Oh my gosh. If that happened, I think if that happened, I think all of Denver would be right to say, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Sean Mannion, yes. uh, he of the career passer rating of 57.5. Oh, yeah. With zero touchdowns and three interceptions. Yeah, I know limited work, only 74 attempts. But I mean, he's sitting here. He's going to be 29 years old this year and he hasn't, he's had limited opportunities and he hasn't done much with them. He had one start in Minnesota. Didn't play all that well. Uh, that I thought I, I had, maybe it's just that I had a nightmare last night thinking about, Oh, the Broncos, they signed Sean Mannion and he's going to be back up to, to Drew Locke. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> oh, wow. and then someone said oh don't worry it means they'll still take a quarterback in the draft and then they didn't take a quarterback in the draft and i'm just like no oh, wow we've had some nightmares on this pod oh. recently <laughs> oh it's yeah george payton and uh sean manny and already entering my subconscious so that's oh boy <laughs> oh wow. i don't think that's go- i don't think that's going to happen though yeah i, don't I, I really so. don't i don't i don't think and, so and what's interesting is that the situation that Peyton faced, that's probably most analogous to the one the Broncos have right now. You go back and Zach, what if I told you that the Vikings in the past had a second round quarterback who'd made 14 starts in his first two years. He was going into year three and year two had ranked in the bottom tier of quarterbacks and pass efficiency. And then I and then what if I told you further that the Vikings answer to that was to sign a veteran hedge? Mm, it sounds very familiar, Mace. What may happen with the Broncos in 2021? Yep. The young guy was Gus was a uh, was Traveris Jackson and the veteran was Gus Farrat. Now what's interesting about Farrat is that Peyton and Rick Spielman knew him well. And, and Peyton especially because he was still with the Dolphins while Nick Saban was their head coach. And so Peyton was the director of pro personnel in Miami who brought in Gus Farratt, who played most of a 9-7 and seven season back in 05. And then in 08, Peyton has reunited with Rick Spielman in Minnesota. Or, and then their hedge became Gus Farratt on, I believe it was a two-year potential $4 million deal. And that, that said, Farrat was statistically unimpressive and they didn't bring him back the following year, but they turned to him in week three after Tavares Jackson floundered. And they, and for those who like QB wins, the Vikings went eight and three with Farrat and ended up winning the division title. So, and they didn't bring him back the next year. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, they had Brett Favre the year after that, right? Oh, of course. Brett Favre yeah. didn't come aboard until later in the offseason. Like August, For a I while. Think. Yeah. It looked like their quarterback was going to be another ex-Dolphin that Peyton and Spielman knew, Sage Rosenfels. Ah. And then when they signed Favre, Rosenfels goes to being the backup. So a couple of things that I find interesting, and, when, and maybe this is why I was thinking about Sean Mannion, is that when they were faced with a similar situation and they looked for a hedge, they went with somebody they knew. Mm, right. Right. Well, who, because I don't think Sean Mannion would be that, or certainly no. not get the fan base fired up. Who is someone else? Because I don't think Kirk cousins is leaving the Vikings this off season. Yeah. I don't think Kirk cousins is leaving the Vikings. And well, I have what's an idea. Interesting, Mace. What about case yes. Keenum? <laughs> well, you'd have to you'd probably have to trade for him. Of course, he's with the Browns right now. And the Browns, one of the appeals of, of their situation that allows them to have a quarterback who had a who has a $7.3 million cap number for this year 
is that they have a cost controlled quarterback in Baker Mayfield atop the depth chart. Yeah. Now, n- now what's interesting, they could, they could save a little over $2 million if they cut Case Keenum, but yeah, there's a guy that they know, and there's a guy that Pat Shermer knows. So, but no way are they doing that. <laughs> I would hope not. And and that's where I would say this: if they get the idea that oh, Cleveland cut Case Keenum, they couldn't work out a restructure or whatever, and he or they, we can trade for Case Keenum. If they get that idea, that's where I would say talk to John Elway, mm. and I would even say talk to Joe Ellis. And Patrick yeah, Smythe. And talk to some players that were around. There's no way right. that they're doing that. There's no way. Uh-huh. We can't we can't bring it, that in here. Yeah, I would say that would be a mistake. And you've been down that road before. And th- but the the other hedge is a remote possibility because I don't think they're cutting him. But if Carolina decided they could do better than Teddy Bridgewater and decided to, to let him go. And uh, let me just cue up the uh, financials on the, on Teddy Bridgewater right now. I I don't think it's something that is is likely. And in fact, they would have twenty million of dead cap, three million of cap savings if they did this. So I would say I, I'd say it's decidedly unlikely. Uh, a trade actually has better terms uh, yeah. for for the Panthers in terms of dead money. If they traded Bridgewater before June one, they would have only ten. They'd have. 10 million of dead cap. If they trade Rich water after June one, 5 million of dead cap. So uh, there could be some, there could be some palatable things uh, there uh, for the Panthers later on, especially after the draft. But what if the hedge was a Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah. And Mace, that name makes a lot of sense. And he's, he's kind of the perfect type of hedge, isn't he? He's almost the anti drew lock where drew lock, you know, his ceiling could be really high, but his floor could be really low. And we've seen games where his ceiling is really high against Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers. We've seen where his floor is extremely low as well. Uh, And we've seen that he just has a roller coaster so far to the start of his career up and down, up and down Teddy Bridgewater uh, since since coming back from that horrific knee injury is about as steady as can be his highs are not very high his lows are not very low so this would be a guy Mace where if you wanted to try Drew Locke out for this year and give him a chance and things go off the rails and you see more lows than highs Teddy Bridgewater would be a guy that will come in and steady the ship in this team with a guy that could steady the ship I, they're not winning the Super Bowl. They're not competing with the Chiefs, but they could. They they could be flirting with it with five hundred. They could be flirting with nine and seven. They could be flirting with the playoffs with something like that. So I could see a general manager wanting just the complete opposite of Drew Locke in terms of this hedge and Teddy Bridgewater guy with familiarity. He would make so much sense. Yeah, and and the interesting thing, of course, the familiarity angle. Um, is, is sort of why you think about this. I would argue on paper and, and on performance on film that if you wanted that type of guy, just go sign Tyrod Taylor. Right. If he's on the market, of course, uh, he was the Chargers backup this past year. Tyrod Taylor gives you all that and you don't have to trade for him. And he would be at a cheaper contract. Way but I did, cheaper. but yeah, but I just find, you know, con- you're always looking for connections because it's a real, for a lot of this, this league, it's a relationship league. And that we saw, you know, for example, when, go- when we go back through Vikings history with George Payton and Rick Spielman, that they did look to quarterbacks they had w- with whom they'd worked before in Farrat and then briefly in that offseason uh, with Sage Rose and Phelps, who on social media actually spoke really highly of of George Payton and Rosenfeld was actually with the Vikings for two separate stints under George Payton. So they, they had him, they let him go and they brought him back yet again. I mean, they just couldn't quit Sage Rosenfeld and even, um, and even kind of fast forwarding a little bit when they traded for Sam Bradford in 06. Uh, one of the interesting things there was that, yeah, Payton and Spielman didn't have familiarity but a key voice in the organization did have familiarity. And that was Pat Shermer who had worked with Sam Bradford with both the Rams and the Eagles immediately before coming to the Vikings and vouched for Sam Bradford 
and they acquired him in trade. So that's why you can't discount these names that have connections and ties because this is something that at the quarterback position, when faced with some vaguely or clearly similar situations, Zach, they've gone with who they know. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that's, that's good thing to do is look around, see who Pat Shermer knows, but let me make this very clear. I don't want a hedge because I don't want a guy that's going to come in and steady the ship. I mean, a, a steady the ship guy is a lesser Derek Carr because Derek Carr is a very good quarterback we, we've seen. Mm-hmm. And look what that gets you. It gets you in the AFC West. It Get you a measly second place finish in the division. The Broncos had a second place finish in the division last year, and look what it got them. It got them nothing. So that's not what I want. I, I you know, and I, they are, if they stick with Drew Locke, Mace, you're 100% right. They are going to go with the hedge. So that's why we talk about these names, is because it's very realistic that this is what they do. But personally, I got to have the guy with the high ceiling. And that's just why uh, I, I th- I'm excited about a new GM coming in here and reopening the door to a potential first round quarterback. Now, is it all the way open? No, but it's more open than it was with John Elway here because that's where you get the guy with the super high ceiling is in the first round. Exactly. And uh, you get, and you're in position to get a guy with a higher ceiling by moving up from nine to two. Mm-hmm. And, the Bradford deal, even though it was for a veteran quarterback, that shows that they're willing to sacrifice significant draft capital to get somebody in whom they believe. Yeah. And there, and what's interesting, when Teddy Bridgewater went down in the summer of 2016, the Vikings were coming off of winning the division and they looked at that roster and thought, we've got a Super Bowl chance here. And that's why they made a bold move to get Sam Bradford and sacrifice the one and the three. And so that's why you can't even dismiss a Matthew Stafford or a Matt Ryan if he's on the market, even though I know there's uh, there's like contract issues uh, that, that would have to be worked out with both of them. And you can't dismiss a trade up because they've been willing to make a bold move. Sam Bradford was a bold move. And the interesting thing, he actually delivered mm-hmm. in his time starting. I mean, didn't didn't deliver a playoff appearance, but no fault of his own. Literally set a completion percentage record that year, and the only quarterback who's ever had a single better single season completion percentage than Bradford did in his full season with the Vikings is Drew Brees doing it three times. So they got company. what they yeah. They got what they wanted out of Sam Bradford in terms of the individual play. It just wasn't there in terms of uh, of the overall team performance. And the thing is, he's accurate, but it wasn't you know it wasn't dynamic. And maybe they wanted something a little bit more dynamic in their offense. And the other thing is, if there's a hedge, Zach, I still would rather it be the young veteran hedge. And I know this is going to make people's skin crawl right now, but. I would rather see Mitchell Trubisky as a hedge than a 30 something veteran. You're right. That because make- at least with Trubisky, <laughs> you might be able to say, Oh, there's some upside there. But the other thing, and I know this is going to scare Broncos fans is if you go back to the, who, you know, Nick Fangio knows Mitchell Trubisky. Mm, yes, he certainly, certainly does. <laughs> and in Minnesota, George Payton and uh, Pat Shermer has had a lot of familiarity playing against Mitchell Trubisky. So that could be some, you know, extended familiarity there. Um, and Mace, the, got familiarity the- with Stafford too. So let's, you know, maybe, True. maybe keep that hope, <laughs> that hope alive. Oh, Mace, you're right. It does make my spine tingle when you say the Mitchell Trubisky. However, if you wanted to be excited about that, and I know it's probably pretty hard to do that, you could point to the Ryan Tannehill. And now Ryan Tannehill's of the world are certainly the exception, not the norm, where a guy goes somewhere and then becomes a franchise quarterback. 
But you could point to that and say Mitchell Trubisky, much like Ryan Tannehill, first round pick did not work out in the first spot he was in, went somewhere else and took the world by storm. I mean, that, that could be it. But you know what's crazy about Mitchell Trubisky, Mace, is the Bears could end up paying him $15 million a year to be their quarterback of the future. I mean, that is such a big decision for that. For me, it's really easy what I do with Mitchell Trubisky if I'm the Bears. I say, thank you, bye-bye now. And then you go get another quarterback. But they may keep him, and that would be – uh that, that would be strange, but that, that would, that would be the devil, you know, compared to the one you don't. Yeah, it's very true. And the, and you know, it's, I think with Trubisky, it's not that he's bad. It's that I think he's kind of uninspiring, even though, I mean, you look back at that game on Sunday and in his defense, he didn't get he didn't get a lot of help when you have a, a touchdown pass that goes right through the arms of the receiver that's not on that's not on you that's on the receiver that's true that's very true <laughs> yeah. yeah oh man so, Mace, what, what, what what a what a great conversation just so many ways that george payton can go right now i mean we didn't even break down all of the potential things that he can do and, and where he starts uh but we have plenty of time to talk about that fortunately and the other thing it's sort of a reminder that there's a lot to do but the quarterback that's that's what's hovering over all this right now and when you talk about some of the other financial decisions let's say they do want to be in the matthew stafford conversation well that's great but then it goes back to the contracts because to fit in stafford you are certainly lopping off boyer casey and potentially von miller there as well and it becomes questionable whether you bring back both Justin Simmons and Shelby Harris. And then you've got the restricted free agents in terms of Tim Patrick, Alexander Johnson, and Phil Lindsay, and what level of tender you give them. I mean, there's, I guess for us, I'm glad the Broncos made a GM change because it created so much unknown, so much to talk about to keep this thing going. It might have gotten quite boring after a while if it had been status quo. <laughs> you're you're a hundred percent right and with so many things on george payton's mind i'll make it easy for him george when you move to denver check out chevalier mortgage for your mortgage that's your one-stop shop because our friends mike and virginia are not only diehard broncos friends fans but they have supported dnvr for a long time as dnvr members their husband wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. And you can give Virginia a call directly at 303-257-6578. Or Mace, let's say George Payton comes into town and, and gives a, a player that's already here a new deal. Well, that person can refinance with Mike and Virginia over at Chevalier Mortgage because mortgage rates right now are great at but Mike and Virginia are not just your typical mortgage company. They have phenomenal rates, but what makes them different is that Mike is a certified financial planner and looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family-owned company, so you'll always feel like a person and not a number to them. So make sure to check them out, dnvrmortgage.com. Enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. And most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's that's Chevalier Mortgage, MLS, Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006, Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. Ah, uh, you think uh, George Payton's going to want to try some Colorado beers when he gets here? I would hope so. All right. Well, there are a few things more Colorado than Breckenridge Brewery, born and raised in Colorado. Of course, Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer at DNVR. You can get some of that Broncos country hoppy ale by uh, visiting your local grocery store or Costco. They've got some. They've also got the 15-can sampler over at a lot of Costco's right now. If you're in the Denver area, check out the Farmhouse, the restaurant they've got down at their brewery in Littleton. It's right off Santa Fe. If you order your meal and beer from the Farmhouse, use that magical code DNVR and save $5 off your meal. Call 303-803-1380. From noon to 8 p.m. for pickup, they'll bring your order right out to your car for you. It's not just food, of course. They have the full selection of Breckenridge brews right there at the farmhouse, so you can order a great meal, 
but you can also get some of those delicious Breck brews. If you can't find a specific variety at your local store, they've got it over at the farmhouse because they've it's right there at the brewery. They've got access to everything there. So call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. Call the farmhouse. Use that magical code DMVR and get $5 off your meal. Don't forget about that 15-can sample. You can find out where to get it through Drizzly or you can just order it through Drizzly. And if you want to find out where you can get Breck Brews throughout the country, check out the Breck Beer Locator on their website. And the odds are, unless you are in the middle of nowhere, you're not going to be too far from someplace that gives you those delicious Breckenridge brews that has some varieties. I've had no problem finding Breckenridge brews on the road traveling around the NFL over the last couple of years because of that Breck beer locator able to steer me in the right direction. So check that out wherever you are in the U.S. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. All right, Mace, let's hop into the comment section and talk to the people. And of course, if you want your questions and comments heard on this podcast, what you do is go to thednvr.com. At the top of the page, you'll see a tab that's called Podcasts. Scroll down on that to the Broncos podcast. It should be the first one that pops up. And then click on the first podcast that pops up. Scroll to the bottom of that page, and a comment section will magically appear if you're one of our members. Leave your comment there, and we will read it on the next pod. So let's talk to the people that did that for this pod. Mace, first one coming in from Orange Crushing It. There's news out there that Eric Bieniemy is not going to be added to a team as a head coach this cycle. If Peyton wanted to pursue Deshaun Watson, and part of that would be angling to get Bieniemy on the staff, would it be possible to offer Bieniemy an assistant head coach position as a vertical move? Fangio would have to let Shermer go, but if that worked out and he got Watson, he may even be okay with it. I'm not sure what the league requirements are for hiring coaches from other staffs and what designates a vertical move to make it happen. Just imagining a world with Deshaun Watson at quarterback and Eric Bieniemy calling plays for this young core of skill players. Well, the interesting thing is that in Kansas City, Andy Reid, of course, is considered the primary play caller, but sometimes Eric Bieniemy has gotten involved with calling the plays. So is that a case where he has enough play calling responsibilities to where you to where the only vertical move is becoming a head coach? Uh, that's the thing you'd have to work around. The assistant head coach title is interesting, but you've got assistant head coaches who don't have play calling responsibilities. So thus in kind of the league parlance, it's not considered a step up. So it would depend on what they considered the level of the enemy's play calling responsibilities that would determine whether he could make a move to another team without becoming their head coach. So yeah, my guess is this is absolutely not yeah. going to happen, not just for the Broncos, but for any team. Um, mm-hmm. it, the, the Chiefs aren't letting him go. They'll throw on that assistant head coach title, give him a pay raise as well. And also, if you're Eric Bieniemy, why would you go? Uh, maybe just because you haven't got a head coaching job, so you think that this isn't the right place. But your, your name's only going to be so hot every single time around head coaching interviews come around. You're going to get interviews every single year. Stay with what's got you there. Um, Man, I that would be crazy if he didn't get a head coaching job again after having so many interviews. But there still are a, a decent amount of jobs open still. So I wouldn't close the door on him yet. I wouldn't close the door yet. I think one of the things that's interesting, though, is in Kansas City, you actually have a little bit of a backlog developing because Mike Kafka is basically kind of in waiting to move up to be Andy Reid's right hand running the offense. Kafka is the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator uh, for the Chiefs, 33 years old, and uh, played for Philadelphia and bounced around a bunch of other camps for a while over the years uh, before he got into coaching. But there's a little, there's a little bit of a, of a jam right now a paper jam in turn in Kansas city kind of, and having its coaches flow and move up because nobody has made Eric Bieniemy their head coach and Kafka is, is, is sitting there. And that was one reason why you saw when the Eagles job opened up, I believe the two co-favorites according to the betting lines were Eric Bieniemy and Mike Kafka, both of whom, but both of whom of course are connected to Andy Reed. Now the Eagles may go in a different direction, but, uh, there's a lot in play here, maybe. And and that's why I I look and say, and you have Deshaun Watson who, you know, 
I think wants to work with Eric Bieniemy, but uh, maybe there are other ways to do that if you pursue Deshaun Watson to kind of get in the philosophy that uh, that he would want and the situation that he would want, even if you can't get Bieniemy. Yeah, yeah, and man, I mean, could you imagine this team with Vic Fangio running the defense, Eric Bieniemy on the offense, and uh, Deshaun Watson at quarterback? That would be a three sixty, that's for sure, oh, or a one eighty. I, you know what I think, and I know Pat Shermer's name is not regarded with a lot of fondness by a lot of in Broncos country. I think Pat Shermer would do just fine with Deshaun Watson if it came down to that too. <laughs> I'm sure he would. <laughs> yeah. Next, next one coming in from asking for a friend. We have the GM. What's next? Well, I think you'll enjoy our first segment. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's what, what it's about. Maybe the only thing we didn't touch on in great detail and part of it is because, you know, it's a little bit hazy and what happens next is who he makes his right-hand person, who's going to be uh, basically the Matt Russell to George Payton's John Elway. I think that's probably kind of the most immediate thing before you start diving into all the contracts. Absolutely. that That's what's next. That's the very first step. And then also when he gets back to Denver on Saturday, I believe, Mace, he will start interviewing everyone on his personnel staff and building his own staff, which I think is only right. He's the main guy. You want him to have his staff. So I think that's smart to do. Exactly. Locks not goaded. In your opinions, what are the betting odds when it comes to Drew Locke being the starter in Denver next year? Ooh, because he is the guy here right now, you would give him the favorite odds. But Mace, is it like minus 125, just like the, the slight favorite, just over 50% that he's the guy? Is it, you know, minus 200, 300, where he's the heavy favorite to be the guy? Right now, I would say... I would say it's minus 100, 50% shot. It's funny. Like the minus 100, minus 150, I, I can't get my arms around that in the way I can get my arms kind of around the fractional odds. So oh, I would fair. say probably about, I'd say probably about five to six. Oh, okay. Strong, strong odds. odds. So, or, or, you know, or maybe, you know, right around 50%, a little bit over. Oh, okay. Gotcha. If, if I were, if I were doing percentage wise, I'd say probably about 55% drew lock, 45% the field. Okay. So th those are, those are about, uh, you know, minus one ten odds. So base we're right okay. there. I, I think, yeah. I, I think it's fair to give him the benefit of the doubt. So you may have hit it on the head 55%. Yeah. He's, he's clearly the favorite because yeah. just because incumbency helps. I mean, whether you're talking of, even though it didn't work out in the election, Incumbent, there's always a bias toward the incumbent unless you know unless things are just a disaster you know and because you have because in quarterbacking in the nfl too you have to make moves and what kind of moves do you end up making what kind of moves can you make i mean we talk about matthew stafford earlier in this conversation i think there would be some interest in matthew stafford from george payton if he were available but you're going to have competition now the bradford trade showed they're not afraid to sacrifice significant draft capital. The one and the one, and I believe the four is what went to Philadelphia for Sam Bradford. But what if somebody else says, we're going to offer you two ones. We're going to offer you one and a two. I mean, I could see the Patriots, for example, getting very frisky yep. on Matthew Stafford and bringing him in because they're sitting right there out of that range of quarterbacks, potentially if the draft falls a certain way and, you know, Bill Belichick probably wants to microwave the Patriots back into contention. Well, I'm sure he does. That would make a lot of sense. Next one from Manning's forehead. For months, I've lived in fear. Everything I had known about life was up in the air, and I was afraid what life was going to be like if I gave in to a new radical way of thinking. Last night, I conquered my fears. I did the unthinkable, and my life will never be the same. I cooked salmon in the dishwasher. It was moist, bold, and slightly tasted like it bathed in a pool of dirty water. Delectable. Shout out to RK for opening my eyes to this bold new culinary world. Anything else important happened yesterday? Yeah, oh. I, I don't know if I'd say uh, eating salmon that bathed in a pool of dirty water sounds delectable, though. Yeah, that sounds awful. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> you did uh, not sell me. I'll have to tell Ryan about your bad take, or not, not, not your bad take, your bad review. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like what? Did you get that salmon from the East River? 
It's seriously straight out of the dishwasher. <laughs> from from Lake Erie. I mean, ugh. It makes gosh. me think. Uh, it makes me think you ran the dishwasher with a, a cup that had some coffee grounds in it as well. Got some like dirty <laughs> coffee water flavor on the salmon. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I don't even want to think about that. But no, you ugh. didn't. You didn't miss anything else yesterday. Nothing happened in Bronco Country. Quiet day. Bunch of quiet off-season days. Not, nothing happened. Nothing's going to happen for the next two months. Just go, you know, just go into a cave. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Dan Burke. Hey, guys. Thought I'd share a few things on Peyton I picked up while doing my homework this past week. Tell me what you all think. Number one, we all know about him declining interviews and jobs over the years, but something about this job was different even with the murky QB and ownership situations. Was reported a couple of times this was his dream job. If he didn't take this job, he would have been content being an assistant GM for the rest of his career. Number two, he's close with Northwestern coach Pat Fitzgerald and to share an agent. If Payton took the Lions job, there's a chance he could have brought Fitzgerald with him. That same pairing could have been in play if the Bears fired Nagy and Pace too. Fitzgerald declined an NFL opportunity so far, but it makes you wonder if he could be in play with the Broncos next year if things go sideways with Vic. Also, the strong relationship with Eric Bieniemy and Bieniemy and Peyton worked together to try to land Ladanian Tomlinson in 2010. Three, Mr. B. Four, he turned down the Chiefs in 2017. Now that they're not losing any sleep over it, they're doing more than fine with Brett Beach at GM. We can add George Peyton to the list of people who turned them down, along with Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Mace, the one that jumps out to me is certainly Fitzgerald. And, and that is interesting. I mean, just like Peyton, Fitzgerald is, is absolutely picking exactly where he wants to go. And if he ever leaves Northwestern, it will be the dream job in his eyes. And maybe Peyton, if Vic Fangio doesn't work out here, can be the one to convince him that Denver is as good as he originally thought it was. Uh, but that that's certainly a name because we talk about connections. That's certainly a name that, that you would have to keep in your mind if, if it wasn't to work out with Vic. Yeah, now... That being said, there are some significant connections that um, that Pat Fitzgerald has with people who are kind of in the Bears' orbit, and there's been a lot said that he really doesn't want to leave the Chicago area, and so I think the Bears would still be the job that Fitzgerald wants, but maybe it complicates a little bit. Another thing is on the radio side, talk with uh, Greg Coleman, who is the uh, Vikings longtime uh, sideline reporter on their radio network, but also played uh, for the team back in the late 70s through the 80s as their punter and is very much uh, plugged in with the Vikings. And one thing that he mentioned yesterday was that uh, George Payton, of course, he went to UCLA. He's kind of a West Coast guy way back. And that one thing that did appeal to Denver was the chance to kind of get closer to the West Coast than where he was in Minnesota. Mm, yes, yes, with to his LA roots. So that is uh, right. Yeah, that that helps. Denver helps, just like Mike Munchak. Uh, his kids mm -hmm. being in Denver helped him get here. Denver helped land uh, yeah. land George. Not right around the corner, but you're cutting you're cutting about ninety minutes off every off every leg of every flight when you're doing when you're doing that. And and of course, the Broncos naturally get to LA every year to take on the chargers. So uh, I think a lot went in play. I think the appeal of the fan, I think the fan base and the passion of Broncos fans is also part of the appeal because uh, certainly the instability at the top that yielded questions. And I think it's a huge part of why he's sitting there with a six year contract today. Um, but there are things big picture that make this job special. And I think that that, that actually starts with, the passion of the fan base, knowing that you're going to have 76,000 people that on the other side of this pandemic that are wearing orange and screaming and engaged and uh, active. Of course, the flip side of that is if you don't succeed, it gets very hostile. Broncos fans ex expect success. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure he can jump on John's private jet with him when he jets out to California anytime as well. <laughs> oh, that's, that's nice.
Mace, before we go any further, got to tell our good listeners about the people over at Green Mountain Dental because we've had several DNBR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their family permanent dentist. And they've reached out to us and let us know how great their experience was and thanked us to leading them for such a wonderful practice. And not only are they wonderful people over there at Green Mountain Dental, but they're diehard Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. So you can go in there and talk some sports while you get your teeth cleaned. And on top of that, if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's right. All you have to do is go to the dentist to get a free Sonicare toothbrush. So check them out, schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam over at Green Mountain Dental, and they'll hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's Green Mountain Dental. You always want clean teeth, of course, and you want to make sure those choppers are in good shape if you're going to have some beef. If you're going to have some damn good beef, of course, we've told you about damn good beer for the longest time here at DNVR. But now we want to tell you about some damn good beef from our friends over at Hassel Cattle Company. H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. It's the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. It's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the USA and straight to your door. Hassel Cattle Company calls its beef blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can, af- can afford. They take their registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows and give you that very high-prime product with zero antibiotics and hormones. So go to Hassel Cattle Company, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. Use that magical code DNVR for DNVR10, pardon me, for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off. You can get some of their Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu franks. They have no fillers in those franks, by the way. And two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. And don't forget, if you order $200 of meat from Hassel Cattle Company, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com, then you're going to get free shipping. So remember, DNVR10 for 10% off your order at Hassel Cattle Company and $200 in orders and you get free shipping. Check them out. We promise you, you will not be disappointed. Head on over to HasselCattleCompany.com. And like I said, that magical code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. It's $200 and you'll get free shipping and you'll be able to stock your fridge and your freezer with some of the best beef you're going to find anywhere from Hassel Cattle Company. And Mace, we won't be disappointed with our final few comments here. First one coming in from Orange and Blue Ozzy. Sounds like a great hire at Dove Valley. Keen to see how another Peyton goes. Last one gave us another trophy, even though it is spelled differently. Tonight's season opener between the Avs and the Blues has me thinking about the rules of fandom. I don't know of an official rule book, but we all have our unwritten rules. True fans versus fair weather fans. Here's my list of rules. Debate amongst yourself. One. Whatever team you choose when exposed to the sport for the first time is yours forever, with the only exception being if you picked a team that is a mess every year and you didn't know. You can change once, but can't flick back and forth to the original team. Two, if you cheer for your teams, the Yankees, Patriots, Lakers, and Canadians at the same time, and the other hugely successful teams that have never lived in any of those cities, you are a bandwagoner. Three, those raised in states and countries without NFL can pick any team, but they have to stick with that team. Four, you are not a bandwagoner if you are a fan of all teams in one city, even if a couple of them are in a group or as successful teams. Five, it's okay to have another team in the other conference you like, but you can't claim championships if they win, but you can be happy for them. Any other rules you guys have to determine if you are a true fan or a bandwagon fan are fully appreciated here. FYI, when I came to the U.S. as a young bloke, I lived in St. Louis first, then Colorado, and so my fandom is rooted there. What were your paths to being the fans of the teams you now follow? Okay, one thing I know in number four, you mentioned you're not a bandwagoner if you're a fan of all teams in one city, but I don't think it's necessary to be a fan of teams all from the same place. I, I Because people do move around in their lives. And I mean, I'm, I mean, I'll just take me, for example, I picked up the North Carolina Tar Heels from 
my fit from my extended family when I was a little kid. I picked up the Atlanta Braves because their AAA team was in Richmond, where I lived until I was 11. And then I moved to Tampa and I picked up the Bucks and the Lightning. And so, I mean, I'm kind of all over the place, but this is also sort of the, the path uh, th- that I took. The other thing is I do th- – I do disagree with one thing that you have to stick with one team. And then if you change, you can't go back to the original team. There's something that overrides all this. And that is in pro sports ownership. It is perfectly fair to ditch a team over lousy ownership, because sometimes that's the only recourse you have in business. You say, well, I'm not going to invest my, my emotional capital. I'm not going to invest my my uh, financial capital in terms of tickets, merchandise, et cetera, in that team. And if they have a an owner that you like better later on, it's okay to come back. Ownership sort of is the one th- is the one kind of catch that I think changes everything. And I think I, I, I that's an interesting point, Mace. Not one that I would have thought of. Uh, but one other thing that I would add to this, but I think for the most part, Orange and Blue Ozzy, you, you hit it right on the head. The one thing I'll add is, if you move in your life to a new city, you can adopt that new team, that new city as your own. But yeah, you do probably have to give up what what you had. That can be your secondary team now. And man, I respect the heck out of that because you don't see that anymore with, with how widely available games are you see people moving all over the country mace and they stick with their original team which i think is great that that's great loyalty to a team but man if you move somewhere and you just embrace everything they are i think then that's acceptable to to be a diehard and not a bandwagon fan then yeah and i'll admit i'm a huge braves fan but i admit to being a little bit of a baseball bigamist because the rockies are a clear number two on my list and you know when whenever i move on from denver the emotional attachment that I still have sports in this market is going to be the Rockies. Love it. Love to hear it. Even though it, I, I could walk over bad over, over shaky ownership. The one reason why I bring up ownership is this. If the Washington football team is ever sold, I would not begrudge every fan who left the team in the last two decades because Dan Snyder did such a piss poor job running that team. I would not begrudge any fan for walking back to that team at that mm-hmm. moment. That's very, and fair. I think there that if the team is sold, you're going to see a lot of people in the mid Atlantic that come streaming back to the Washington football team and, and, and give their support again. I, and fu- the funny thing is see on social media and kind of taking the temperature of fan bases. I think you're starting, even though Snyder has not sold the team yet, I think Ron Rivera, Alex Smith, everything that went on has sort of started that process of bringing some of those fans back. Yeah, I agree. That have left over the last two decades. I totally, totally agree. And and Orange and Blue Ozzy asked how we became fans. Mace, you kind of explained yours. Well, I was born in Denver, raised in Denver, surrounded by Denver <laughs> sports fans, parents, Denver sports fans. So pretty easy how I uh, became fans of these teams. So yeah, they're, they're my teams for life. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Super Bowling. Not sure which pod to comment on, so I did both. So I definitely need to reprogram my mind. I've been looking at mock drafts, and I saw one this morning that had Denver taking Patrick Sertan the second in round one and Dylan Moses in round two. My first thought was, this guy is clueless. There's no way Elway, who never takes Alabama players, takes two. Then I realized Elway isn't making the decisions and got pretty damn excited, but that's what actually happens. Heard comparisons for Sertan the second and Minka Fitzpatrick, imagine, imagine Vic having that type of chess piece. I also want to say thank you, the DNVR family. You guys go above and beyond, and a special thank you to RK. My girlfriend outdid herself this year for my birthday. I work in an assisted living facility. Due to that, I haven't seen friends or family all year to reduce exposure risk, which has resulted in some serious isolation and low mental health. Knowing this, my girlfriend reached out to all my people and asked them to send a video to her that reminds me of the love and support I have. This alone was incredibly powerful to watch, but halfway, who do I see? The one and only Ryan Konigsberg. Definitely a gift I will remember forever, and it goes to show how this is not just a job or a fan base or of a podcast show, but truly a family. Sorry for the long comment and my poor grammar, but it's the off-season, right? 
<laughs> yes, uh, man. Well, we'd love to hear that Super Bowl, and we're here for you every single day. So, uh, you know, thanks for riding with us. It means it means a ton. And man, you bring up a very exciting point about Dylan Moses and Patrick Sertan. I mean, who who the heck knows what Vic Fangio is looking for in a linebacker if Dylan Moses fits that? I probably <laughs> wouldn't think so, but I'm probably gonna say no one fits that uh, unless it's uh, uh yeah the guys on the roster right now. Uh, and uh, in terms of Patrick Sertan, holy cow, would I love that? And that could easily be a realistic pick at nine. Yeah. The, the other name that uh, we're talking about linebackers in the second round, it's not an Alabama guy. Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina is somebody that could be on their radar as well. You know, one of Vic's first jobs was uh, on the North Carolina staff way back in 1983. Mm-hmm. How about that? So a little connection there, although Chaz Surratt was definitely not even alive then. (laughs) It's it's a ways off, but I know that uh, they're pretty proud that uh, a future NFL coach passed through on on his way up in his younger years. As they should be, without a doubt. Next one from Swede. Oh, sorry, Mace. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I think I was actually going to say, is this the last one? I think we have one more. Oh, after we this got, one. we got a buzzer beater. Okay. Oh, all right. So go, go ahead. We sweet. He says, let's go, baby. I'm pumped for George Payton. I'm actually in contact with the director of player development for the Vikings. As I spent time with him when serving as a missionary for my church, he had nothing but praise for Payton and believes he's ready for this opportunity. Excited for this new chapter in Broncos history. That's awesome. Sweet. You'll have to give us uh, the, the inside details. Yeah, there's a lot of good things uh, that you hear about. I know somebody who was in touch with uh, uh, some of the Viking staff and uh, mentioned uh, what kind of person and a very good person that George Payton is, a very, a very, ni- a very nice person, someone who's going to do right by people. Um, so everything you hear about George Payton, the man, is positive. Everything you hear about George Payton, the player evaluator, is also positive. And that's something that uh, I've heard in a couple of conversations that I've had over the past uh, 24 to 36 hours. So, you know, hope, hopefully he'll live up to what everyone's saying about him. Everyone's yeah. pretty impressed with this guy. Yeah. And of course it's not just player evaluating as a general manager, you're the guy in charge. So, and he has plenty of leadership capabilities as well, knows how the ins and outs are done, which is really important. Exactly. And finally, from Casper, fellas, with Peyton having worked with Nick Saban for a couple of years in Miami, it would seem to me that the chances of Denver drafting Mac Jones have gone up a bit. How say you? That's a very, that's a very interesting point. Of course, Rick Spielman did not stay on with Miami after Nick Saban became the head coach and had final say authority. But George Payton did and did work with the Dolphins uh, over the two years that Nick Saban had the job. So you figure that he's got his phone number somewhere and can get some reasonably good intel. Now, the question I would have for you, Zach, is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up the answer as we're talking about this, how, how many Alabama guys have the uh, Vikings picked in the last decade? In the last uh, decade I already know this answer. Two. Yes. Two, so one more than the Broncos, but it's not like they're going to the SEC champion well right. all that often either. But they did pick one last year in the 2019 draft, Irv Smith Jr. with the second round pick. So, you know, they they have shown that they will do that, but they're not just picking from, from Alabama, clearly. They're not just picking from, from Alabama. The other thing, one thing that I do think is interesting is that um, the Broncos, while they've picked some non-power five guys you know their their point of emphasis has been guys in those in those power conferences right wouldn't you say yes absolutely all right well then you start looking at uh at some of the draft classes for uh the vikings and some of these are kind of get, are getting down the list but you know for example the vikings picked a guy from washburn college last year in the seventh round kyle hinton do you know the nickname of washburn college in oh, Topeka, Kansas. I have no idea. The Ichabods. <laughs> and what is an Ichabod? Uh, like Ichabod Crane. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. In 2019, picked a, in the sixth round, pick a, picked an offensive tackle, Oli Udo, 
from Elon University in North Carolina. They were nicknamed the Fighting Christians. Now they're the the, the Phoenix. Um, so you get you you go back, and of course we know about the Adam Thielen signing from right there uh, in the state of Minnesota. So. George Payton comes from a, a culture where they're going to turn over some, some stones and to try to find guys. And so maybe we'll see a few more small schools, school guys seep their way into the Broncos uh, draft plans over the next few years. I like that. I like that a lot. And may speaking of schools before we get out of here, got to tell you about a great school, MSU Denver online guys. Again, a reminder classes start in just a couple of days. So go check out MSU Denver online to see all they have to offer. Get in on the spring classes, start 2021 with an education, whether you want to just dive full in with a full-time class schedule, or you just want to take classes here and there to get educated on one or two subjects. You can do that at MSU Denver online. So make sure to check out all they have to offer. They have stuff for people that just want a few classes to stuff that for, for people that want an entire program, make sure to check them out. Now they're affordable and they design their rigorous schedule around you as well. So make sure to check them out. MSUDenver.edu slash online. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for rolling with me and thank you all so much for rolling with us today. What a time to be alive in Broncos country. And man, this off season is going to be one that does not feel like an off season. Mace, we're actually off to talk to Vikings general manager Rick Spielman right now so make sure to stay tuned on what we learned from him I'm sure we'll talk about it tomorrow on the DNBR Broncos podcast as well where we talk about the playoff games this weekend give our playoff picks and of course talk all things Broncos like we always do so from Andrew Mason I'm Zach Stevens thank you so much for rolling with us and have a terrific Thursday waiting for